I'm Marco Werman, and this is The World, a co-production of the BBC World Service, PRI, and WGBH in Boston. If you want to know more about Latin America and about the region's tight links to the United States, you're in the right place. Today, here at The World, we're launching a new partnership. We're pairing with an exciting project called Radio Ambulante. It's focused on people stories from the Spanish-speaking part of our world, from Latin America primarily, but also from Latino communities all across the U.S. In a moment, we're going to hear one of those stories about a man whose deportation to Mexico separated him from his wife and kids in the U.S. and landed his children in foster care. But first, we turn to Daniel Alarcón, co-founder of Radio Ambulante, to hear what this project is all about. Radio Ambulante is a Spanish-language storytelling project. It's a narrative project. We go after stories that are not necessarily headline news, that are not necessarily front-page stories. Um, we've begin from the premise that uh, the United States is a Latin American country and that geographical and political borders might be real, but cultural borders aren't. So we want to connect Latin America and the U.S. and do that through radio storytelling. And for our non-Spanish-speaking listeners, what does ambulante mean? An ambulante is a, is a, is a street vendor. Uh, an ambulante is someone who's on the move. Our logo is, is a man pushing a cart the, in the shape of a radio. Um, we chose the symbol of an ambulante because uh, Latinos and Latin Americans are on the move. We are, you know, a dynamic group. We Migration is part of our story. Um, and also because, you know, the ambulante is the go-getter. The ambulante is the person who doesn't wait for work to come to him. He goes and finds work. Right. Um, and he's he's out on the streets. And, and it's something you see in every Latin American city and in every American city where Latinos have, have, uh, have, have come. Now, Daniel, you're a journalist. You're also a fiction writer. What, what's the draw to telling stories on radio? You know, I think radio is, is what is closest uh, to literature. You know, I, I mean, I, I've written a couple novels and, and a lot of short stories, and that's, I guess, primarily what I do. And I think there's really nothing quite like the intimacy of radio, uh, except perhaps literature. You feel like in a great novel, you're you're you know listening in on something that you shouldn't hear, and I think great radio can do that. You know, you have these intimate moments. Um, you have the, the opportunity to hear voices and and hear the you know hear stories directly from the protagonist, and it is like inhabiting a character or entering another world. So for me, it's been a kind of natural transition. Although I get asked that question all the time. Right. So we're about to hear the first drop in this uh, collaboration between Radio Ambulante and, and PRI's The World. But what, just tell us what kinds of stories you're, you're looking out for. How are you choosing these stories? Well, you know, it's an interesting moment in the United States. I think that there's a, that politically there's a lot of interesting things going on that, that have to do with Latinos and, and uh, with immigration specifically. Um, we're interested in stories about these emerging identities uh, within this, uh, this this changing context. I think we're interested in stories of second and third generation Latinos. We're interested in stories that push um, and challenge received notions of identity. We're looking for surprising stories, funny stories, moving stories um, from all over the United States and Latin America. You know, we really don't buy this idea that the United States is, is needs to build a wall. I mean, walls don't work. Um, we actually, you know, kind of believe the opposite, you know, that, that it's already happened, that the United States is integrated into Latin America, and we're looking for the stories that showcase that. And Daniel, I think the story we're about to hear about Felipe Montes and his kids, I mean, it, it shows just how nuanced all these immigrant experiences really are. It's, they're, they're shaded and not black and white. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it's complex. It's frustrating. It's, it's a troubling story. It's a uniquely American story, I think. 
about families and borders and politics and geography. Um, journalist Seth Fried Wessler worked on this piece with Radio Ambulante producer Nancy Lopez, and uh, here it is. Felipe Montez's story begins in October of 2010 in Sparta, a mountain town in North Carolina. After breakfast with his wife, Marie, and their young kids, he walked to the courthouse for a routine parole meeting. He'd racked up too many traffic violations. But this time, immigration officers were waiting for Montes. After almost a decade of living in the United States without papers, he was deported to Mexico, away from his family. In Mexico, Montes worked nonstop, anything to not miss his family. I get up in the morning, six in the morning, every day, no matter if it's Saturday or Sunday. Six in the morning, get ready by seven, start walking. Then it got worse. Montez's wife, Marie, had debilitating health issues. She struggled without Montez, the kid's main caretaker and family breadwinner. And soon after he was sent to Mexico, officials from social services put the couple's three young U.S.-born sons, Isaiah, Adrian, and Angel, into foster care. But Montez said he could care for his kids. From Mexico, his wife agreed too. For the next two years, Montez would fight to reclaim his children. He isn't alone. The U.S. deported at least 180,000 parents of U.S. citizen children in the past two years, based on government data requested by the news site Colorlines.com. It left thousands of children in foster care. Donna Shoemate is Montez's attorney. She realized there weren't clear policies for reuniting families split by deportation. I asked the question of the social worker on the witness stand a, a few times. If the Department of Social Services had a policy with dealing with parents who were not U.S. citizens, who were actually located outside of the country, whether it be Mexico, France, Canada, wherever. And each time I asked the question, the answer was no, we do not have a policy. Social Services argued Felipe and Marie's kids should stay in foster care. Those officials and the foster families involved declined interviews for this story. As for Montes, the outlook appeared grim. He was in Mexico and couldn't defend himself in person. Last August, U.S. officials allowed Montes to return temporarily to North Carolina to fight for his kids. But his return wasn't easy. His five-year-old son, Isaiah, was confused. He asked Montes, are you going to adopt me? I said, I don't come to adopt you. I'm your father. I come for you because I love you. In court, Montez argued he'd always cared for his kids. I'm their father, he said. Montez won. Here's Shoemate, Montez's attorney again. And the judge found that Felipe was not unfit and that he had not acted inconsistently with his constitutional status as a parent. And it's not a test over whether children are better off in the United States or in Mexico. It doesn't make him unfit that he was undocumented here. It doesn't make him unfit that he was deported. In March... Montez and his sons boarded a plane to Mexico. Because of her health, Marie didn't follow. See that? I am the great. I met Montez and his boys in the Mexican state of Michoacan. They lived with Montez's mother and siblings in a tiny house. The kids seemed happy, playing in the streets with neighbors. But they were also in a country they'd never known. Everything for them is new. It's totally different than what it used to be. A lot of difference. Over there in America, the jobs is a lot of grass. In contrast, Montez said, Mexico looks bland, dry fields. But one person was thrilled. Montez's mother, Griselda. She hadn't seen her son for years. He was still handsome, she said. And she'd also never met her three grandchildren. She called them precious. 
Montez also tried to ease the transition. The first day he left the house to look for work, he left a list of English translations for his mom. After a week, though, the boys were already understanding their grandmother's Spanish. But the children worried about abandonment every time their father walked out the door. He asked me if I ever left him again. I said I never left him. He just got the poor last time. I tried to explain to him for him to understand. Truth is, Montez is struggling in Mexico. Home is in North Carolina with his wife, and he's got a landscaping job there. In Mexico, he found some work loading scrap metal onto trucks, but it barely pays, and it's why Montez headed to the U.S. in the first place. Montez hopes he'll be allowed to move back to the U.S. with his kids. I can come back to America, be with my wife and my kids, start a new life, like a family, like it used to be. But for that to happen. He's betting on the immigration reform bill being debated by senators now. In it, there's a provision that would let deportees with kids and spouses in the U.S. apply to return. For the world, I'm Seth Fried Wessler, Mexico. To see a slideshow of the Montes family and their journeys, go to theworld.org. We've also included a selection of other stories in Spanish and English from our partners at Radio Ambulante.